Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. This is a program that is really coming to you with lots of love. It is about keeping you inspired, uplifted, transformed, connecting you to your spirit, to the power you have within you to heal, and to opening your heart. That is that sound for a great show. I think that this is so important these days is to be able to stay connected to the power that we have to transform our lives. And as always, I'm very grateful that you are joining my show today. And I just want to let you know if you're interested in getting the archives for The Love Code or for my other program on Progressive Radio Network, which is called What Women Must Know, then you can do that one of two ways or or two ways. You can do it either by going to my Facebook page, which is What Women Must Know, or you can go directly to my website, Dr. Cheryl Selman, that's drcherylselman.com, and you can just uh, opt in there, and the shows get every week, and of course they get posted on their Facebook every week, so that ensures you will not miss a beat when it comes to all of these great conversations. So, uh, you know, speaking of great conversations, I'm so excited about my guest today because he is someone who is so inspirational, doing such amazing work in the world, and I'm just so happy we are able to have him on the show. So we're going to be having a conversation today about the power of meditation for healing, and my guest is Bob Ross, and I just want to say a little bit about him. There's lots to be said, so I'll try to make it as short as possible because there's so Brief, 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 Cheryl, brief, brief. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, Ah, thank you. (laughs) So Bob is the CEO of the David Lynch Foundation, where he has helped to direct the introduction of the Transcendental Meditation Program to over a million students in underserved schools in 35 countries and to military veterans and their families who suffer from post-traumatic stress and to women and children who are the victims of domestic violence. Bob is one of the most experienced and sought-after meditation teachers in America. He is the author of the 2018 New York Times bestseller, Strength and Stillness, The Power of Transcendental Meditation. Bob oversees the Center for Health and Wellness, which is bringing TM to companies, government organizations, and nonprofits. Bob is the host of the Sirius XM radio show, Success Without Stress, and has spoken about transcendental meditation to industry leaders at such gatherings such as Google Zygus, Aspen Ideas Festival, Aspen Grain Conference, and Wisdom 2.0. So it's such a pleasure to welcome Bob Ross to the show. So Bob, hello and welcome, and I am breathing. Thank you very much. I am so happy to be part of your show. I'm so uh, grateful and appreciative of the work you do, just bringing your message, you know, through your show to so many people. It's more timely now than ever. Than ever. And, you know, and I want to thank you because I um, was reading about what amazing programs the David Lynch Foundation has. I, I don't know how I find these things right. And I immediately made contact with the contact page and it was you and you like within minutes emailed me back. I was so impressed that you were just so there and so open and so willing to be here on the show and you know you just have such a a wonderful spirit Bob and I, I, I just am very grateful for you and all the work you're doing and we're going to talk about what the David Lynch Foundation has achieved and really what the important message is for meditation at this time in the world. So so first of all, if I could just ask you, Bob, what? how did you get involved in all this? What was your background before? What was your moment of enlightenment and what led you to be so involved in this, in this mission? I'm going to answer that question, but sometime I want to do your show and I want to interview you. I want to ask you, I want your listeners to hear those very answers, those very same questions. What got you interested in all of this? Anyway, I know, but this is, I think, 
Do you let me <laughs> we do can that do sometimes? that. I'll take Turn you up the tables. On it. I would I would love to do that. I think it would be wonderful for people to hear your story and how you so I'm taking notes of all the questions. Anyway, to answer the question, I've been te- I've been meditating for 50 years. And I started when I was uh uh eight actually over 50 years. I started when I was 18. I was a college student. Um I was going to I had worked for Bobby Kennedy when I was in high school, I wanted to change the world. I grew up wanting to change the world. I thought politics would be the way to do it. You change the laws. And uh, it took me about a, a month in college in 19, fall of 1968 to realize that politics was never going to heal the soul of the nation, as we see. Politics is important, but it wasn't for me. And still I had this desire to want to make a change in the world. And so I thought, okay, my mom was a school teacher. How about... How about uh, write educational curriculum that uh, children could learn from kindergarten up that could give them the tools to help, uh, what is that that great quote, that education isn't about filling a bucket, it's about lighting a fire. And um, tools to do that for the child and help them navigate, at that time even, a, a crazy world. So I was going to school full-time, working full-time, quite a skeptic. My father, My father's son, he's a doctor. I like science. And someone told me about meditation, and it was not part of my uh, world. I, I was stressed, but it just wasn't part of my world. It wasn't in my vocabulary. And But for some reason, I decided to learn it. The guy, there was something about the guy who was down to earth and practical and real guy. He wasn't into any anything weird. And uh, I learned it. And, and Cheryl, one of my first experiences of meditating, with the thought came, oh, Oh, so this is a tool I want to teach those kids. This is a tool. Mm-hmm. And I liked mm-hmm. it because it wasn't it was transcendental meditation. I liked it because I didn't have to believe in it. It was universal. There was no affectation or shtick, which, you know, divides people. I, do, I believe that. I don't like that. I like tofu. I don't like tofu. It was just sort of like anyone could do it. And that was um, June 28th, 1969. I'm dating myself big time. And now I had a foundation, as you said, that we've taught a million kids to meditate for free. And in the next five years, and this is no exaggeration, I want it to be 10 million kids because they're really, really, really suffering right now. They cannot process or handle the stress, the intensity of life. So that's how I got into it. It was, a, it was a, I wanted to change the world, and then I ended up teaching meditation, learning meditation, and then who would have thunk that that would be a, yeah. a, a foundational tool for real transformation. And it is a tool. It's the most powerful way to really change the world from the inside out. Only way, actually. It's the only way. Mm-hmm. You know, if we want more, yeah. if we want more creative solutions to healthcare, we want more creative solutions to our economy. We want more creative solutions to the environment. Where's the creativity coming from? It has to come from human creativity, and human creativity is the chase developed from within. And meditation, properly understood and practiced, not only does it get rid of stress and tension and fatigue and heal trauma. But as you know, it wakes up those connections in the brain for enhanced problem-solving and creativity. So it's at the foundation of everything, in my opinion. Now, the um, TM Foundation has been doing a lot of research. They have a, you have a lot of stats, don't you? Because you've done all sorts of uh, ways of testing the uh, results that occur when people... <clears throat> going to a meditative I think I think that um, my my attitude on meditation, and this is to take nothing away from its components of developing consciousness and higher moral spiritual values and all of that, but I've always felt that, that meditation, again, should be considered as a medical intervention on par with any medicine that's used to address any you know, ailment or epidemic or pandemic like we have today. And the the pandemic in this instance is the pandemic of trauma and toxic stress, which pervades everyone, everywhere. And um, the way to do that is to subject the technique to the same rigorous research protocols that if you were trying to bring a new medicine to market. In this case, it's a meditation technique, and in this case, it's it's a non-profit not a for-profit pharmaceutical company. So over the last 50 years, starting with research at uh, Harvard University and University of California in Los Angeles, 
research came out then in 1970 and published in Science Magazine and Science in 70 and Scientific American in 72 that showed that when you did transcendental meditation, it gave you a state of rest deeper than sleep and it woke up, uh, changed your brainwave patterns to alpha-1 and had was good for high blood pressure. And that opened the floodgates for research in general on meditation, but specifically that I know about on transcendental meditation. And the most recent big-time research was a study funded by the Defense Department that showed that TM was more effective for reducing the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder for veterans than even the gold standard of prolonged exposure treatments. So, yes, there's a 50-year track record of research. I gave you a very long answer to a very short question. I apologize. Yeah, but it's a very important one because it's um it's easy to dismiss the value of meditation and and maybe i'm just thinking those people i know who are that that's skeptical about all of this so let's let's go back and for those people who are listening who may go well i can't meditate or you know you know what's the point of all of this um uh, what what is it that you can share with with everyone listening, on the value. Why? First of all, what is your definition of meditation? Um, how can we all benefit, even those of us who go, look, I, I can't still my mind. It's, you know, I've tried it. I'm just not able to do this. What is your response to all those questions? So, <laughs> Which I just, so, the barrage. So I'll, I'll explain. I'll give a little mini master class, a little couple-minute master class on the different types of meditation, and then we can talk about the value. So I like to use an analogy. Um, you're on a little boat and you're in the middle of the ocean and all of a sudden you get these 30, 40, 50 foot high waves, big waves, four story high, and you're in a little boat. And you think, oh my God, the whole ocean is in upheaval. But the word whole ocean is a, more than a bit of an exaggeration because if you could do a cross section of the whole ocean, you realize the ocean is miles deep. And while the surface of the ocean may be turbulent by its nature, the depth of it of the ocean by its nature is pretty darn silent. And so that becomes analogous to the mind. We say the surface of the mind is like the waves, and the, the tsunami, sometimes tsunami waves. Some people call it the monkey mind. I like to call it the gotta, 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 gotta mind. As in, I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and I gotta call him, and I gotta call her. Gotta make a list, gotta find a list, gotta, gotta slow down, gotta get going, gotta get to sleep, gotta get up. And all the goddess. And it's a natural human desire to say, <clears throat> I like some inner quiet, some inner peace, some inner silence, some inner power, some inner equanimity, and the operative word is inner. And the question is, is there such a thing as an inner? And if so, how do you get there? And so, Cheryl, that's where... Can I call you Cheryl or should I call you Dr. Spellman? <laughs> um, Cheryl. We, well, here's what my father always said. Call me anything but late for dinner. Call anything you want. Yeah, I know. Call you anything for... Yeah, that's like <laughs> my father said that. And he also said the joke, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. So there's another one of that same arrow. <laughs> so anyway, or... Chili today, hot tamale. So uh, you started it. I want you to know you started it. So, so I anyway. can go on, but I'm I'm, I'm letting you yeah. have that last one. Yeah. Okay, good. We'll just leave it at that. You'll leave it at a sick joke. Leave that sick joke. Anyway, you got that that inner. And so this is where the whole field. Now to answer your question, the field of meditation. I want to give that picture of choppy on the surface, quiet at its depth. So meditation. There's According to research, they used to think all meditations were the same, pretty much. Now they say, no, there's actually three distinct types of meditation, and they know that based on brain research. Because, Cheryl, as you know, every discrete experience impacts the brain in a distinct way. So if you listen to classical music, it has one effect on your brain. If you listen to heavy metal music, another effect. So they had people do all different types of meditations, huge numbers. And what they found was, other than names and description, the effect on the brain was in three distinct ways, so three different types of meditation. So I'm going to go into that. Is that all right? 
Number one. Yeah, please do. The first type of meditation, which most people are familiar with, and you just cited it, I can't control my mind, I can't clear my mind of thoughts. The first type is called focused attention. And focused attention is a concentration form of meditation. It says, to use the analogy, if you want to have a if you want to have a calm ocean, what's a disruptor of a calm ocean? Waves. Stop the waves, you'll have a calm ocean. If you want to have a calm mind, what disrupts a calm mind? Thoughts. So stop thoughts. Very difficult to do, but when we do, and we do that by concentrating on a point in our body, concentrating on a, a sound, concentrating on our breath, clearing the mind of thoughts, Range, large range of number of things we do. Hard to do, but when we do it, it creates something called gamma brain waves, which are five to, excuse me, 20 to 50 cycles per second. That's your brain working very hard. Second approach to meditation, and mindfulness is part of this second approach. Second approach is called open monitoring. Open monitoring teaches us, oh, you want to have equanimity? Oh, you want to feel calm? Live in the moment. Live in the present. Be mindful of the moment. If you have a thought about a guy named Joe, and Joe done you wrong 20 years ago, and we have a thought about a guy named Joe, but mindfulness or open monitoring teaches us to dispassionately observe the thought about a guy named Joe. Don't live in the past. Equanimity can be found at this moment. Less difficult to do. There's mindful walking, mindful talking, mindful everything. That creates something called theta brain waves, four to eight cycles per second. There's a third type, and that's called self-transcending or transcendental meditation. With me? So far, mm -hmm. so good? Okay. Yep. The first two are called cognitive approaches to meditation. That means pertaining to the waves, pertaining to the thoughts, my attitude towards thoughts, changing my thoughts, visualizing something, um, clearing my mind of thoughts, addressing the waves to create calm. Self-transcending has a completely different approach. It says the ocean by its nature is turbulent on the surface, but the ocean, as I said earlier, by its nature is pretty darn silent at its depths. And in self-transcending, we hypothesize that deep within every human being, you, me, everyone right now, there's a level where your mind is already perfectly settled and calm and peaceful and wide awake. We've just lost access to it. It's my own quiet self. And transcendental meditation gives effortless that vertical. The word transcendental just means deep, vertical. A vertical we dive and settle down deep within and when we have that experience we have alpha one brain waves which are eight to ten cycles per second which is a state of <clears throat> restful alertness and a whole constellation of neurophysiological changes that go along with that including your body gaining a state of rest deeper than the deepest part of deep sleep long answer number two but covered the points So all of these types of meditations, of course, have value to supporting yes. Yes. our optimal uh, optimal well-being, yes. really, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I don't say that a question of... I don't like it when people say, my meditation is better than your meditation. They have different outcomes, right. as I just said. One is gamma brain waves, good for focusing. Another is... Yes. Um, the theta brainwaves, good for observational, and the third is alpha, which is alpha-1, TM, which gives the body, a, it's almost more physiological, profound state of rest that reduces cortisol levels by 30 to 40%. That's a stress hormone. So I don't say it's either or. I say it's yeah. yes and. Right. Yes, I do this and I do that. How do I don't, you I don't like. I don't. I don't like... Sorry, I don't like people being small and territorial. If there's research that shows something is beneficial, particularly for children and ourselves, we need more tools in the toolbox at work, not less. 
So how do you help people who always say, no, I, I just can't do it. My mind can't, can't focus. What is your guidance and advice to help people to get past that um, experience well, or limiting thought? So here's the thing. So in the first two types, it is difficult to do, and there are um, tools to train your, you to do that. Would, and I am a teacher of the third. I, I've learned the other two and practice the other two, but I teach transcendental meditation. In transcendental meditation, we don't have to stop thoughts. It's an interesting thing. So you see the, the, the statement is the mind is a monkey. And so you have to, that's what they call it, the monkey mind. And it's just jumping all over the place and wandering and you have to corral it. And busy people have a lot going on. It's very hard to do. In TM, it's a different perspective on what the mind is doing. In, T, in Transcendental Meditation, the perspective is, if you look carefully, the mind is not just wandering aimlessly. On a deep level, we see that the mind, by its nature, seeks satisfaction, seeks happiness, seeks joy, seeks wisdom, seeks pleasure, seeks beauty, seeks fragrance. You're sitting in a room doing some mindless work, some paperwork, and in the other room, miraculously, some of the most beautiful music in the world comes on. Where does your attention just absolutely effortlessly go? Oh, turn up that music. Or you go on a vacation and you bring two books. One book is terrible and your mind wanders all over the place. You can't, you can't pay attention to a word. The second book is great and you're absorbed in it naturally. So the mind is drawn, given the opportunity, your mind is drawn to something more satisfying. And inside, Cheryl, really nice place, that field of pure consciousness, which some people call the unified field, pure consciousness. Mind, really nice place. And in TM, we're taught in personal instruction. It's not a mass meditation. It's not taught out of a book or on, you have your own trainer, your own teacher very qualified, who just sits with you for an hour a day over a couple of days and teaches you, gives you a mantra, which is a word or a sound that has no meaning, and teaches you how to use it effortlessly, naturally. And like, snap your fingers here, like that, your attention of your mind is turned within and without any effort whatsoever. Like there's no effort to listen to beautiful music without any effort whatsoever. Your mind is drawn inward, and as your mind is drawn, settled down to quieter levels, your body gains a very profound state of rest. And so I can teach a 10-year-old child with ADD who could never sit quietly with their eyes closed for a minute, and I teach them uh, this meditation, TM, and they, uh, they, med they meditate for 10 minutes comfortably, wonderfully, because it's not boring, it's, it's interesting. So I would say to that person, if you've tried one type of meditation and it didn't fit, don't give up because they're not all the same. And explore and look into open monitoring or look into transcendental meditation. And, and keep trying because, if I may go back to your original your, one of your first questions, what's the value? The value of taking time to do an evidence-based form of meditation these days is absolutely foundational as you know this is no this is no longer a luxury for in new york city the people live on the upper east side or the people live in beverly hills or the people are in gated community this is for everybody because stress and tension are not going to get any less and we know the devastating impact of stress on our mind and body and also the demands to be more creative, more innovative, more thoughtful, more focused, also are powerful, I mean, are huge. And so meditation properly understood and practiced, and it should be effortless, can produce both of those benefits at the same time. And what our culture, maybe it's starting to come to it because, you know, the work you're doing and reaching millions of people in different areas and all the other yoga, meditation schools are helping people to realize that our thinking processes, if they, if we don't 
have the ability to access other levels, as you were saying, the alpha, the theta, the gamma levels of brainwave function, we're basically stuck at a brainwave function of high beta, which is putting us in constant stress, worry, and ultimately compromised health when we're operating with that level. And, um, you know, we have the science now that is validating how um, how meditation is fundamental, not only for allowing us to uh, improve our health. In fact, I was just looking at some research today about how meditation at this point in time where we're concerned about our health helps to profoundly strengthen our immune system. But it's also the creativity, it's problem solving, and it's um, greater focus and attention. We'll talk about the kids and the PT, and PTSD and all the things you're learning because it's so fascinating how meditation is working with the conditions that are most challenging for our culture and and the waste of human potential as a result of people being uh, you know dealing with these disabilities supposed disabilities and, and how it can be turned around so simply so so let's so let's go there let's start with with children because i know schools have been a focus of the work that the uh, David Lynch Foundation is doing. Um, but how can an, a, you know, a child with autism or ADHD, what happens that allows them to actually receive the benefit and focus through meditation? Well, I think one of the, I mean, the, one of the primary focus of the David Lynch Foundation since it launched 16 years ago was, was and is children. Because I feel we're in a danger, in danger, and anyone who's a parent of a young child, or child, or a teenager, um, knows what I'm talking about. We're in danger of losing a generation to stress, whether it's from cyberbullying or the 24/7, you know, social media, or just the unbelievable academic demands. You know, got to get into the right kindergarten so you can get into Harvard. The pressures are just mm-hmm. relentless, and. Plus, you know, the the stresses and the traumas that parents have. There's a whole field of study called adverse childhood experiences and the knowledge that what happens the first thousand days from conception to the first thousand days, the stresses and the experiences that fetus has, that child has, uh, shapes will shape that child's behavior and the way that she or he sees the world for the whole life. And... We are helpless to, you know, if if there are, um, so they get adverse childhood experiences. If the parents are fighting, if there's if there's substance use disorder in the family, or there's violence in the family, or it turns out that neglect of a child is far more traumatic than actual physical abuse. Neglect is far more traumatic. It's just this little child just left helpless for hours or day. It just it's just so. What we need to do is we need to equip these children at an early age with tools because what they're saying, we need to give children tools for resilience, how to strengthen the immune system, how to strengthen the ability to bounce back from traumatic experiences and enter meditation, enter the field of evidence-based meditation because it's non-pharmacological. There's no, it's, it, there's, it's non, it, you know, s- surgical. It's um, uh, universal. It, there's no bad side effects. There's only side benefits. And just like there's a recognition of the need to give children physical exercise, either during the school day or after the school day, but they need physical exercise, we have to give children um, tools to wake up their brain, as if exercise their brain. Too much of life, too much of we've thought about health is from we do things from the neck down. Oh, I'm going to try and eat right. I'm going to exercise. Well, what about the brain? <laughs> what about the three-pound organ that runs the show? And so, again, meditation properly understood and practiced can be that gentle, supportive, nourishing tool, technique um, that a child from an early age can start doing that can they can take control of. They can, they can take control of their health back. So... David Lynch Foundation over the last 15, 16 years, as I said, has been offering something called quiet time, 
which is the kids begin and end each school day with 10 or 15 minutes of transcendental meditation. I know some schools do mindfulness, different different tools, different outcomes, but the in, the intention is the same. And it's transformative. Grades go up, suspension and expulsions go down, test scores improve, graduation rates increase, dropouts go down. It, it's it's a, And there's reduction in suicide. Number two cause of death among teenagers in America today. This is a horror, Cheryl. Suicide. And the fastest rate of growth Girls, 13 to 16. So we, ha- this is screaming. It's a generation screaming for help, and we have to give them help. And it's not just in the form of a pill. And do you find these kids embrace um, doing TM? Are they uh, are they happy to to try it? Do they have some resistance? I think there's a bell curve. I, I think th- I think there's a bell yeah, curve. Mm-hmm. I think you've got now. TM by as a practice is much easier than uh, other of these concentration techniques. So kids that are taught mm-hmm. even mindfulness, they, mindfulness sort of kicks in better for kids when they're in college, because their their prefrontal cortex is more de- connections more developed. But with transcendental meditation, you can start at the age of about ten, and there's even techniques for starting at five. And I think mm-hmm. you know if you have a hundred kids, I think I think um, with TM, my experience is. Thirty percent, just it's the greatest thing in the world. Fifty um, percent think they like it, and then ten, twenty percent of kids just not not for them at that time. Probably would have been me. I'd have been one of that when I was a twelve-year-old kid. I, all I wanted to do was go run around and play at recess. So <laughs> it 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 all depends upon the cognitive development. Mm-hmm. But by the time they are in high school and they're 16, 17, then they, then, yeah, vast majority of the kids like, at least like uh, the med- TM because it's so enjoyable and it doesn't require strain or clearing your mind of thoughts. You know, uh, it would be such a different world if we could start teaching our five-year-olds to meditate, wouldn't it? I mean, oh, they're, 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 I mean, they must be doing it in places like Bhutan, right? That's a Buddhist country that's working with meditation all the time, which is a unique culture on its own. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, not, I, it's, it's, I not Chicago, think, it's not the south side of Chicago. No. <laughs> you know, what, yeah. what, what this world would be like, which is what you are helping to create. You are helping to create a world where this tool is allowing people, to, allowing children, and then they'll use it for the rest of their lives, hopefully, to create a, a much more um, creative Self-empowered, self-actualized life. It's it it just has to happen. And you you I, I this is name droppy, but I wrote a book as you mentioned called Strength and Stillness, and uh, I interviewed a lot of the people that I had taught to meditate. Now I've taught you know thousands of whatever of kids, inner city school kids, and veterans and whatnot and workers and but along the way with the foundation i've been introduced to some well-known people and i've taught them to meditate too and i'm very grateful for that because they help us raise money so we can as a non-profit so we can bring the meditation for free to more and more kids one of the people that i i met and taught was ellen degeneres and i was sitting in her living room talking to her and i said why are you interested in learning to meditate and she paused and she said I'd like to maintain permanent connection with the intelligence that runs the universe. And I thought, whoa. And then she paused and she said, but then she paused and she said, and I can't sleep at night. And the fact is, the fact is, whether it's the intelligence that runs the universe or just I want to do better, I want to, I want to get a raise, I want to move up in my job, I want to have more responsibility, I want to get along better with my family i i and i can't sleep at night or i'm i'm grinding my teeth or i'm drinking too much coffee or i'm drinking a little too much alcohol or i just don't inside i'm not bouncing back like i used to when i was younger it's starting to life is taking a toll internally we know that there's stress and there's aspirations and again i can speak for tm only because i teach it but meditation properly understood and practiced should enjoyably develop both. Wake up those creative networks in the brain 
and the networks for focus so that they'll exercise those, wake them up, and at the same time, by giving the body deep rest, heal those traumas and stresses that haunt us, that we carry around with us lifelong, that, that pervert and distort the way we view the world. Our, oh, I was hurt, terribly hurt when I was 15, and now I'm 50 and I'm in a relationship, and those hurts are still there. And therapy certainly helps, but add meditation to it, and you're going to the healing process will grow will go a lot faster. So we so don't have to be we don't your, have to be yeah go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, can you can you give us one of your favorite stories of how TM has helped one of these kids in you know in a uh, yeah, more disadvantaged situation? Yeah. It, this is a this is a haunting story actually. It I I think about it all the time. Uh so in this one school in South San Francisco there um a school it was a middle school and it was in a very tough tough high violent neighborhood violence neighborhood and we had introduced what's called quiet time where the kids begin school wide whole uh, everybody the whole school is quiet for 15 minutes at the beginning of the school day and 15 minutes quiet at the end of the school day silent and um for the, it was quiet time, so a, a child and a teacher, but a child is given the opportunity. They could do TM, they could meditate, they could nap, or they could do read quietly. About 90% of the kids end up wanting to learn to meditate over a few months as the word spreads. So, But the way it was set up at the school is the child had to be in the class, sitting down at her de- to, to teach discipline, sit down in, in at your desk, by the time the bell rang at 8.20 for the meditation, otherwise they'd have to meditate out in the hall. And that was not to punish them, but just because they liked the meditation, they wanted to get them there on time because they were coming in late. So a school teacher, Bruce, called me up and around noon one day, and he said, I have to tell you this story about this girl named Charlotte. She came running into the classroom at 8.23 and just out of breath and quite sort of disheveled and sat down at her desk and in her chair and started to meditate and Bruce said you know I thought should I disturb her should I what should I what should I what but she said he said I want to teach this so I went over to her and quietly and I said whisper to her Charlotte you're going to have to meditate outside you're three minutes late I'm sorry about this you can still meditate but you have to meditate outside so Charlotte stood up and Bruce noticed that she had red paint splattered on, on her left shoulder and so they walked out into the hallway, and Bruce said, and you're going to have to call your mother to um, have her bring some clean clothes, because you know you can't wear dirty clothes to the school. And Charlotte started to cry, broke down crying. And it turned out it was not paint. She was standing next to her uncle at a bus stop, and there was a drive-by shooting, and that was her uncle's blood on her. And little Charlotte, 11 years old, had no place safe to run, not school, not home, not a friend's, except she wanted to get to school to meditate. That was mm-hmm. her safe haven. So when mm-hmm. I, you ask, I think of Charlotte mm-hmm. just about mm-hmm. every day because how many mm-hmm. children all over the world, through no fault of their own, are in that position? And what could we do there's a lot that has to be done to change the world, changes in education, all that. But boy, oh boy, if we could equip every child, every Charlotte with a tool like this. Mm-hmm. So that's the story yeah. that I think of all the time. Yeah, yeah. very powerful. Uh, can we move on to uh, working with um, people suffering uh, from PTSD, which of course affects not just the the, the vets, but their families, everyone is affected in this sphere of someone dealing with PTSD. Um, what are your, uh, what's, what's happening with that population? How is TM supporting them? Well, first of all, I'm here in New York City and uh, in the midst of the coronavirus epidemic and the David Lynch Foundation is about to launch an initiative called 
healing the healers, which is going to bring the meditation to the doctors, the nurses, and the other medical workers who are on the front lines, dangerously overworked and overexposed and suffering from PTSD. So we, we as a foundation, the, the foundations, um, the people that we work with are people who suffer from the devastating effects of trauma and toxic stress for which there is no pharmacological cure, much less treatment, and um, it's on such a large scale that you can't expect talk therapy to work for millions of people. In the case of there's 16 million children living at or below the poverty level, they're all traumatized. They all have experiences, the adverse childhood experience. They all are growing up with PTSD. And so our work with veterans and now our work with doctors is the same. And that is a veteran has what's called PTSD, which is a discrete traumatic experience that traumatizes the brain, that hyper-arouses the amygdala. The amygdala is a fear center, the fight-or-flight center in the middle of the brain. And when you you want the the brain, you want the amygdala to be hyper-aroused if you're being chased by a lion in the savannah 200,000 years ago, or if your life is in danger um, in in a war someplace. But what happens is that hyper-arousal from war never stops. The amygdala stays hyper-aroused, and so they, the, the man or woman with PTSD can't sleep, can't fall asleep. They can't they suffer from high levels of anxiety, depression, substance use disorder, acts of violent behavior, high levels of suicide ideation. So what to do to calm the amygdala? What to do to reduce the cortisol, which is an adrenaline, which is a stress hormone? What to do to wake up the and reestablish the frontal lobes of the brain, which is the um, executive functioning? Well, there's no medicine that can do it. There's no medicine. The 21 veterans take their lives every single day from PTSD in, in, in America. So there's 30 years of research showing that when a person sits and transcends, when they settle down, it calms the amygdala. It wakes up the, the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's for judgment and planning and decision making and the rational filter against impulsive decisions. So it, strengthens the prefrontal cortex, calms the amygdala, reduces, lowers high blood pressure, reduces cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone, almost within a few days. Like right away, that transformation takes place. And so when you give a person an experience of inner ease, then that inner ease changes the way the brain functions, and it changes everything in a more natural, healthy way. So we're just um, now partnering with the Veterans Administration to do a study on 600 veterans in six different VA hospitals in San Diego, Denver, New York, uh, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and I believe Los Angeles, where we're going to do the definitive study Never been done this gold standard study on these veterans and and um, comparing it to the called prolonged exposure, which is a gold standard. And if we get the same results on this study than we've gotten in all these years of previous research, then the VA will pay for cover the costs of their insurance for one million vets wow. who suffer from PTSD to learn for free. And wow. I want to extend that to I want to extend that to the family. Members yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, well, first of all, it definitely needs to be extended to the families because I have watched documentaries and the families are traumatized as a result of the parent that is traumatized. So absolutely, well, they, they call it, that's... Yeah, go ahead. They call, it, they call it complex PTSD. So PTSD is what happened to the mom or dad over in... Or the, or the mom or dad who's a police officer or a firefighter, or drives an ambulance. Something that's just trauma, and so they have PTSD, discrete. Complex PTSD is growing up with a parent who has PTSD. Mm-hmm. You get complex PTSD growing up with a parent who's an alcoholic as well. 
So you're living in an environment of fear. You're living in an environment of, of terror sometimes, of fear of violence. And you begin, your brain and body begin to um, display the same symptoms of PTSD, even though you never were shot at in Afghanistan. But you're living around a father who was shot at or mother who was shot at Afghanistan, and you start, it's contagious. You start displaying the same, same, same symptoms. And I think when we understand it that way, it becomes clear that um, so, so many people in the world are suffering from PTSD. Oh, ho, 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 which, ho. which we haven't never really you know, acknowledged or given it a name before. But anyone who's had any type of trauma can, um, just, you know, be put into that category of having this brain that has been altered in such a way that they see the world through fear and anxiety and distrust and you know, just freeze. More people will die of drug or alcohol overdose this year in America than who died in combat, soldiers who died in combat in Vietnam in 10 years. 59,000 mm. soldiers or something mm. died, 54,000 mm. in combat over 10 years in Vietnam. And there'll be 70,000 to 80,000 die from drug overdose. And 17 teenagers die every single day from opioid mm. overdose. 17 kids were shot in that horrible, devastating at Parkland High School in in. Florida, and there were marches and all this. 17 kids die every single day, and what do we do? We just think it's just collateral damage. It's just, it just yeah. can't happen. We, we have to bring in well, new interventions. Right, because what we do is we drug them, and, yeah. and um, often those drugs lead to suicide or homicide. Yes. To those drugs. So that's not our solution at all, right? So we have to repair. No, we have no, to no, 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 no. Drugs can be useful in an acute situation when there's been a trauma and a person has sort of lost control, so you give them something to help them stabilize. But after that, it's not, they're not, it's not the future, a lifetime of antidepressant medication or alone. Now, some people, we find that when a person has, if a person's on some medication and they come to a TM teacher, there's, by the way, there's 200 TMs, nonprofit TM centers around the country. They come and talk to a TM teacher. The TM teacher will never, will always say, do what your doctor prescribes. Don't don't get in the middle oh, of sure. that. But do tell your doctor that you've learned to meditate because you may not need your antidepressant medication or your antihypertensive medication in the, or as much of it. The, the NIH has provided 26 or $27 million for research on the effects of this meditation on high blood pressure. And it's shown to be as effective, if not more effective, than antihypertensive medication. But a lot of people have serious high blood pressure, and what they find is meditating and the medication gives them a much higher quality of life. Right. Yeah, so I'll never have people off medications without guidance, but they're not going to heal the brain. And, and That's right. That's right. That's the right. Proper you know, brain frequencies. Um, so, so uh, I think my next my next question is, and I'm sure people are asking the question as well, is how do people find out about uh, learning TM? How do schools how do schools find out? How do if teachers are listening and go, yes, I want this in my school? Where do they go? And how what's the process of getting their school uh, aligned with teachers that can come in and teach the whole school? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my personal email address. And people who are listening to me, because such a fine person, I want to be sure you get, you're get you going to email me. And this is my email. It's nothing to go to somebody else. You email me, and I will send you to the te- uh, If you're interested in learning to meditate for yourself, I can point you in the right direction in a city. And if you're interested in bringing it to a school or whatever, then you can e- – then I'll – put that on to the right person at the David Lynch Foundation. So my email address is bob at davidlynchfoundation.org. Bob at davidlynchfoundation.org, and I will answer personally every email that's sent in because I appreciate the genuineness of the people who are writing, and I want to make sure that you get your questions answered. 
Yeah, and you're wonderful in responding. So thank you for that. That's you know that looks beautiful because I'm sure so many people are inspired by what you've been sharing in our conversation today, and we want to give them resources to go to. When do you yeah. think that study that the um, Veterans Association will be completed, so this can be rolled out throughout the country? I think it's I think it's two to three years. There was a smaller study that was actually funded by the Department of Defense. It was a $2.4 million study that compared TM with what they call prolonged exposure. And that was um, uh, just got published last year in the Lancet Psychiatry, which is a top medical journal. That was with 203 veterans. So this is the final step towards qualifying for government funding. I think it's two or three years, but we're not waiting. We've established something called a Veterans Lifeline. And that is people are donating so that any, and companies, um, corporations are donating so that any veteran today can go into any TM center or write me and can uh, we can arrange for them to learn for free. So they don't have to wait for that. But I could never raise the money to teach a million people. But the money is there because the government's spending it on other things that aren't really working. But in the meanwhile, they can learn today for free. Just write me, Bob at davidlinksfoundation.org. Well, you know, that's just so exciting that uh, your foundation has been able to raise the resources to make these, uh, you know, these programs available to individuals. I mean, you're, you know, it's such, it's so inspirational, the service that you are, are doing. It's for the world, I have to say. Yeah, I'm I'm just so impressed and uplifted by that passion and that purpose that you are fulfilling. Well, it's a funny thing, you know, that, you know the word dharma, with dharma? Mm -hmm. Dharma means, um, so karma just means action. I, I don't really know those many different words, but someone told me the word dharma means that action, career path or action or relationship, that you do that just fits, that just you just feel this is what I was born to do. And you love doing the work you do. There's that quote from Lao Tzu, if you pick something you love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. So this is my dharma. So dharma, anyway, dharma means action that actually energizes. You can have food that's your dharma. Oh, I eat this food and I feel great. Or you can have food that's not your – someone else can eat food and they feel strong and you eat the food and you feel like throwing up. Or you're around one person and they make – and you feel good inside. You feel another – you're around another person and you want to run and hide or you feel bad. So um, we're fortunate when we have our dharma and then it's just life is – we just do what we do. So I uh, feel fortunate that I uh, – Look, I get to have a conversation with someone like you. Look at the good you're doing in the world. So in my dharma, I get to cross paths with someone like you, Cheryl, and all the good you're doing, and that's a very fortunate life. Well, I can tell that you are so passionate about what you do and and love what you do and um, are so satisfied because what you're doing is going out into the world and truly making a difference for millions of people. I mean, that's that's so amazing to know that you're having such a huge impact and in this country. And, of course, TM is found all over the world. I first learned yeah. about TM when I was in Australia and had it there. It's all over the world, and, and we have people listening all over the world. Are you doing these programs in other countries at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, David, in Australia, it's a, we're legally established in 35 countries, but there are TM teachers and TM centers in 100 countries. So if a person is interested in something, they should just email me. And also, you can go to tm.org which will tell you more about just basic yeah. TM. And you can go to davidlynchfoundation.org, which will tell you about the work we're doing with underserved, uh, at-risk populations. TM.org and davidlynchfoundation.org. Okay, great. TM.org and David Lynch. That's L-Y-N-C-H, David Lynch Foundation. 
dot org. Dot org. Um, you know, I, I, we only have a couple of minutes left, but I, I'm really curious how how does David Lynch, who, by the way, is a filmmaker, people don't know the name David Lynch. Um, what what was it that uh, happened to him? And, and we only have a few minutes left. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, it's a longer story. In, back in nineteen <laughs> but, back in nineteen seven back in nineteen seventy three, he always a very creative mind. He was a filmmaker, and he said he had all this everything he wanted as a young filmmaker, and yet he wasn't happy. And he kept and he, you know he didn't take drugs, and he didn't you know he just he wasn't deeply happy, and he wanted to know what how I could get happy in my work. And because your dharma has to, you can't just be that the work makes me happy. You have to do something inside to make yourself happy as well. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. You know, though you have you have to make me happier. Job has it has to be both. And so he heard about TM and he learned it, and he's been practicing it ever since he made Eraserhead and loves it. And I crossed paths with him 16 years ago because of creative genius. And I said. We were talking about starting a foundation to helping kids, and he said, yeah. And we did, and he's been very active. He wrote a book called Catching the Big Fish. He made a documentary. He does a lot of speaking. So he's been a very active participant and leader in, with the foundation of really wanting to bring the message and the tools. message of the David Lynch Foundation is change begins within, and that's what he's doing. Well, well, he's making such a huge difference, which must be so rewarding for him to see how yeah. this idea that you know you and he started has spread. There's nothing more in, in this lifetime. You know, when you look back at the end of your life and what's really important, these are the things that are really important. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so thank you so much for. For all that you do in the world, thank you for your time today. I want people to be able to go to uh, some of the websites. So it's tm.org. The other option is um, davidlynchfoundation.org, right? And um, people can contact you. Give your email address again. Yeah, bob at davidlynchfoundation.org. Okay, that's easy. Bob at davidlynchfoundation.org. If you want more information or if you have, you're part of the school or you're a vet that needs help or you are dealing with some domestic violence situations, contact Bob, contact those websites, and you can get some help. So, um, Bob Ross, it's just such a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, for all the wonderful work you're doing out in the world. We we out here in the world are so grateful that you are here doing this amazing, profound healing work. So thank you so, so much for everything you do and, again, for being with us today. Take care and God bless. Well, thank you very much and thank you for your wonderful work and your very loving and kind and compassionate nature. God bless thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you listening, thank you. And remember to fill your week with love, peace, and happiness. Until next time, bye for now.